Well, I invite you to uh, turn to our passage this morning. If you have your bulletin, or you can look over on page three. We're continuing our study of 2 Corinthians, now moving into chapter three. Paul, you, you might remember, is, is working to heal uh, and, and develop this relationship with this church that's so much on his heart, but there's been struggles, and uh, and he's he's talking about his own ministry, even, even defending the ministry that God has given him, and here in chapter 3, that uh, that leads him into a discussion of the glory and, and wonders of the new covenant. And so that's what we're going to talk about. It's such a rich passage, we're going to take two weeks to work our way through, uh, but I trust uh, it will be an encouraging uh, time well spent. So let's read the whole chapter uh, together. 2 Corinthians 3. Are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Or do you need, as some do, letters of recommendation to you or from you? You yourselves are our letter of recommendation, written on our hearts, uh, to, to be known and read by all. And you show that you are a letter from Christ delivered by us, not written with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Such is the confidence that we have through Christ toward God. Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God, who has made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Now, if the ministry of death, carved in letters on stone, came with such glory that the Israelites could not gaze at Moses' face because of its glory, was, which was being brought to an end, will not the ministry of the Spirit have even more glory? For if there was glory in the ministry of condemnation, the ministry of righteousness must far exceed it in glory. Indeed, in this case, what, was, what once had glory has come to have no glory at all because of the glory that surpasses it. For if what was being brought to an end came with glory, much more will what is permanent have glory. Since we have such a hope, we are very bold. Not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what is being brought to an end. But their minds were hardened, for to this day, when they read the Old Covenant, the same veil remains unlifted, because only through Christ is it taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled faces, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image, from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Let's pray. Father, use your word to us. Teach, encourage, build up. Show us the glory of your gospel, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So what is so great about the new covenant? The new covenant. In, in, in distinction from that which came before, uh, that, that commitment of God to, to save his people 
uh, from their sins through the work of his son. Uh, in distinction from, from the old, which was shadows and, and, and laying the foundation, uh, promises, uh, but now fulfilled in Christ. What, what's so great about that new covenant? Uh, it's actually a great question to ask as we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper, because you might remember Jesus talks about the new covenant in, in instituting the supper. And we, we speak those words of Jesus every time. Uh, as, we, as we're taking that cup, right? The cup is the new covenant in my blood, Jesus says, right? Uh, that, that the new covenant, there's something so great and so glorious that we need, to, uh, we need to take a hold of it and through that sign, take it in and, and remember it and be encouraged and strengthened by it, that the, the new covenant is that great. Okay, so what's so great about it? How does it really encourage and strengthen and change? Uh, well, that's what we're going to talk about these next two weeks. Uh, we're going to use five different headings. They're all listed there in your, uh, in your bulletin. Now, some of these I borrowed from other people, but it's a helpful way to kind of organize, uh, organize the whole uh, presentation of Paul. Now, the, the New Covenant is glorious uh, because of its location, its operation, its duration, its clarification, and its glorification. We're just going to get to two uh, this week. Uh, so first of all, the New Covenant is great because of its location. So uh, Paul, is, Paul is talking about this movement uh, from old to new, and he does it in part by talking about a change in location. A, a change from tablets of stone on the outside to work of the Spirit on the inside. Change of location. And so he does it first by just continuing his conversation with the Corinthians about, uh, about his ministry and their relationship. Remember, it's rocky, and, and there are these critics of Paul, these, these super apostles who have, uh, who have come in and, and had the Corinthians doubting Paul a little bit, and whether he's, he's, he's qualified or good enough to do this work. And, and Paul starts the chapter saying, you know, do, 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 we, do we really like maybe need letters of recommendation? Uh, so that you accept our ministry, Paul's saying. And he's actually, actually, you, Corinthians, are our letter of recommendation. Uh, that, that, that God has so worked in, uh, through Paul's ministry, through Paul's preaching of Christ, the transformation of the Corinthian Christians, uh, that, it's, that it's like a, it, they in, them, in themselves are this commendation of his ministry, this, this letter of recommendation. And he makes the point that it's a, it's a letter that anyone can see. Uh, it's open to all. It's not a letter uh, written with ink, he says. It's a letter written on human hearts. But that leads him to, to, to kind of go off and to talk about the new covenant. Because he makes this interesting uh, transition in verse 3. So he says, okay, uh, verse 3, uh, You are a letter from Christ delivered by us, not written not with ink, but with the Spirit. And then he says, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Not on tablets of stone. It's an interesting way to put it, Paul. Who would carry, even in Paul's day, who would carry a letter of recommendation on stone? Like, papyrus maybe, parchment? Uh, but you're not going to carry a letter of recommendation on a stone tablet. No, because Paul's already thinking uh, that, that what his ministry is about is this window into something bigger. 
it's, he's talking about the new covenant versus the old. And this distinction of, uh, of tablets of stone on the outside versus human hearts on the, on the inside. So tablets of stone, what does that remind us of? Uh, right? That reminds us of the Ten Commandments. Uh, the, the Ten Commandments. Kids, you remember the Ten Commandments, right? Uh, God gave the commandments to Moses there on Mount Sinai. And what, what were the Ten Commandments written on but two tablets of stone? Right? So maybe if you're drawing a picture, there's, there's one you could draw. You could draw Moses on a mountain, and he's holding two big tablets of stone, and the commandments are written on it. So if you want to draw that, you could leave, leave a little spot next to it, because we've got something else we want to put right alongside. Um, but tablets of stone, right? That helps us think about, about the Ten Commandments. One of the key features of the Old Covenant. Now, it's not the only aspect of the Old Covenant. Uh, we, we, could, we could talk about uh, the ceremonial law. We could talk about the sacrificial system and how that pointed us to forgiveness and grace in Christ, how God saves us because there's a sacrifice to die in our place. That's another key feature of the Old Covenant. Um, so it's not the only thing, but the Ten Commandments are a key feature and key focal point uh, of the old. And, and the commandments, well, they're good. They're very good. Uh, Paul, in, in Romans 7, calls the, uh, the law, the commandments, he says uh, that they are holy, righteous, and good. The commandments are holy, righteous, and good. Uh, well, holy, righteous, good, that kind of sounds like who God is, doesn't it? We, we talk about God is holy, and God is righteous, and God is good, and and yeah, exactly, uh, because the commandments are a reflection of who God is. Uh, when, when God sets forth the Ten Commandments or any aspect of the moral law, it's not him just kind of randomly, oh, we need to make some rules. Let's make a few rules. What should they be? No, they're a reflection of who he is, right? He's holy. He's righteous. He's good. So the ways he calls us to walk in, uh, the ways that we're called to reflect his glory are ways of holiness and righteousness and goodness that reflect uh, reflect who he is. Uh, so they reflect that character and call us to, uh, to reflect it. But one of the things that Paul does in, in referencing here those tablets of stone uh, is, is highlight the limitations uh, of commandments on tablets of stone. Right? He's highlighting the, 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 the limitations based on location. Uh, because tablets of stone come to us from the outside. Uh, in the Old Covenant, the commandments of, of God, they come to, to fallen sinners from the outside. And that means uh, they can tell us what we should do, uh, what God loves, but coming from the outside, they don't have any power to help us to actually do it. Right? So commandments of stone uh, on stone from the outside can tell us what to do. They just can't help us do it. Uh, so as fallen sinners, the only thing uh, located outside of us that these commandments can do is show us that we've fallen short. Show us that we haven't done it. Uh, they can't actually help us do it. Uh, you could think of the commandments like a mirror. Right? We've, all, we've all had that experience where we're, we're out somewhere, maybe you're at a restaurant with, with friends or family, and you run to the bathroom, and you kind of glance in the mirror, and you're like, 
Like, how long has that green thing been stuck in my teeth? Or, or maybe there's like that blemish, and you're like, I, I knew I had something you know, going on on my face, but look how it's much uglier than I thought. Right? The mirror exposes what's already there. Right? The mirror didn't cause things uh, to change in you, but it, it, it exposed them. Now you see it. Uh, the other thing is about the mirror, the mirror on the outside of you, is that the mirror can't do anything to heal the problem. Right? Can't, can't get that thing out of your teeth, can't heal the blemish on your face. Uh, the, the mirror on the outside can just expose it. What you really need, if there's going to be any kind of change, is something to get on the inside. And that's what Paul says uh, is the glory of the, of the new covenant. It's location. From the outside, uh, the, the commandments come and they just expose our sin. They tell us, here's what we should do, and they expose the fact that we haven't done it. Uh, and they can't, but they can't, they're limited on the outside because they can't, they can't change us, they can't heal us. So what we need is something to get on the inside. And that's the other half of Paul's contrast. What he's highlighting in the, in the glories of the new is that God's going to do a work on the inside. And so the other side of Paul's contrast. So verse 3, it's tablets of stone versus tablets of human hearts, which he takes right into the, the new covenant. Um, verse 6, for example, as he talks about ministers of the New Covenant, uh, he talks about this contrast of the letter. The New Covenant is not of the letter, but of the Spirit. Uh, and, and he's doing something here, is he's keying in and getting you kind of key references to very important Old Testament passages that talk about the Old Covenant. Uh, Jeremiah 31, Ezekiel 11, Ezekiel 36. We read a little bit from Jeremiah 31 this morning. Uh, and uh, just read one of those verses. God promises uh, there's going to be this new covenant. And what does he say? I will put my law within them. And I will write it on their hearts. And then Ezekiel comes in and he ties in this idea of heart with the work of the Holy Spirit. Uh, where Ezekiel says, uh, God says through Ezekiel, I will give you a new heart. And I will put a new spirit within you. I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of, of flesh. So here promised, and now Paul's announcing it's done uh, in Jesus and through the Holy Spirit, that, that God comes in the Holy Spirit and gets on the inside. Uh, that this, is, this new covenant is not of the letter, but of, of the Spirit. Uh, it's, it's the Holy Spirit doing what tablets of stone could never do. Uh, get on the inside and actually change us. Take the, the heart of stone, Ezekiel says, right? That dead heart uh, for, from sin, uh, that, you know, the, the, the problem that the mirror in part exposes. Now here what the Spirit does is get on the inside so it actually can change that heart. Take the old one out and, and give a Holy Spirit uh, in, in uh, resurrected heart. That's the glory of the new covenant. Uh, God taking, the Holy Spirit taking the resurrection life of Christ and putting it inside of you. All right, exactly what the tablets of stone could never do. A new location, it means now in Christ we're alive. He's going to say in a, in a couple chapters, Paul will, that, that we're part of that new creation in Christ. Old is gone, new has come. Yeah, because this new covenant, God's got on the inside and he's changed us. This is why, believer, why you're, you're not stuck 
in your sin. Uh, that, that sure, you'll still struggle with sin, and there'll be challenges and hardships, but you're not, you're not enslaved to it. You're not stuck in that sin. Uh, why you can expect that God's going to be working and changing you. Yeah, because God is doing something more than just the mirror. Sure, we still have the mirror of, of God's law that exposes the problems, but we also have that ministry of the Spirit on the inside uh, that's changing us more and more, healing the blemishes uh, more and more until he's done, until we have that perfection of Christ. Even, even you can take that, connect that to the, uh, to the Lord's Supper. You know, when, when we as believers come in faith to the Lord's Supper, faith in Christ, trust in him, uh, then, then, well, it's even pictured. God gets on the inside, right? Uh, the, 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 the elements, the bread, the, the cup, the, get those on the inside, and, they, and, and it gives life. That's a picture of what God does through his spirit. Uh, through Christ, through the power of the Spirit, he's getting within uh, to change us. And so you can even be encouraged and be, be strengthened as you, as you, you know, Jesus gives you the elements and, 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 you, and you take it in. It gets on the inside. You can even take those blemishes to him, right? The, the blemishes that the mirror exposed, maybe there's something particular in your life. And man, I just really am convicted. This, this looks uglier than I thought in my life. You can, you can take that to the Lord. Lord, you see it. Uh, thank you for getting, getting within. Work in me. Change me. Transform me. It's the, the work of the Spirit in the heart. It's the greatness of the new covenant because of a change of location, uh, which then Paul talks about is connected to a change in operation. A change in how it works. In what it does. He says that which... Uh, brought death is contrasted with that which brings life. Uh, so, for example, you see it at the end of verse 6. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Or that same contrast of operation shows up in verse 9, where he says, For if there was glory in the ministry of cond condemnation, the ministry of righteousness must exceed it in glory. See the contrast? Right? It's, it's one of operation. Kill versus give life. Uh, condemnation versus giving righteousness. Uh, because the new covenant is, is greater in Christ because it operates differently. It gives life and righteousness, uh, whereas before there was only uh, death and condemnation. Uh, now, we, we, of course, don't want to get the wrong idea about the Old Testament or believers in the Old Testament um, we're, we're not saying that in the Old Testament, no one was saved, or there was no eternal life um, it, it, under the Old Covenant. Actually, quite the opposite. You look at Paul, and if Paul wants to give an example of here's someone who, who's saved by faith, and here's someone who, who's living the Christian life following the Lord, almost all of his examples are Old Testament saints. So if you want to get an example of, of who we are and the salvation life we have, he says, look at Abraham. You know, look at David. So we're not saying that, that there's no salvation in the Old Testament. Uh, far from it. There was salvation there because there were promises that pointed forward that were fulfilled in Christ. What we're talking about now, about the old, and about is if, well, if all you had was just the old. All you had was just the law, specifically. Uh, all you had was God's law. Well, then the only thing it could do is condemn you. 
the only thing he could do is condemn you, right? Because those those Ten Commandments, they're like that mirror. They expose your sin. Uh, but in exposing your sin, uh, you're also condemned, therefore, before God. Uh, so they expose and, and condemn. Um, uh, some years back, I, I, I appeared before the judge. Uh, Evesham Township Court uh, had to appear before, before the judge. And the truth was, I was guilty. I was guilty. New Jersey state law says uh, you, you cannot operate a motor vehicle uh, if that motor vehicle doesn't have a current up-to-date registration. And I was guilty. I was operating a motor vehicle without an up-to-date registration. And so here I am in Evesham Township Court, judge us up there. If I'm in that court and it's just me and that law, guess what? The only thing that's going to happen is that my, my sin is going to be exposed and I'm going to be condemned as guilty. Right? It's just me and law. It's going to be guilty, condemnation, penalty. The only hope is that there's something else that shows up in the courtroom. It's just me and the law. It's only going to condemn me. Right? And that's, uh, of course, in God's courtroom, the, the stakes are so much bigger than just a little piece of paper that goes in your glove compartment. Right? We're talking about God's law. Right? That's holy and righteous and good because it reflects the holiness and righteousness and goodness of God. And so breaking that law uh, is not just a thing about a piece of paper, but it's, it's, it's violating that holiness of God. It's, it's rebelling against his goodness and righteousness. Uh, but, but that same principle applies. Right? If we're in God's courtroom and it's just, it's just me... It's just you and that law. Guess what? That law is going to condemn us. Right? It's just guilty you in God's court and, and, and God's law. It will condemn you. It's the only thing it can do. Uh, it's the only thing it can do with me. Uh, you've fallen short of the glory of God and the wages of sin is death. Right? There's the condemnation. It's not a, it's not a little uh, payment that you have to make uh, for a, a traffic ticket. It's it's the condemnation of eternal death, even, even hell itself. Uh, the letter kills. It's the ministry of condemnation. Now, of course, the problem isn't with the law. But the problem's with us. Right? The problem's with us. Okay, so what hope do we have? Well, there's the glory of the new. Uh, the, the hope is, is that something else besides the law shows up in God's courtroom. All right? I, I got to walk in front of that judge, uh, have my case show up, and guess what? There was no sentence of guilty, pay the fine. Right? Because someone else showed up in the courtroom. There was the prosecutor who decided he'd be merciful and sign a little piece of paper dismissing the ticket. So I got to appear before the judge. I was guilty. But grace, mercy... Something else came in, someone else came in, and I got to walk out as if I was innocent, uh, which I wasn't. But grace and mercy showed up. Right? In God's courtroom, we have a grace and a mercy that shows up, and it's far, far bigger than just a scribbled signature and a dismissed traffic ticket. It's the grace that God himself gives. God himself shows up. God himself solves the problem. Uh, it, it's, it's beautifully summarized uh, in the Romans passage we read. It's, it's actually helpful even just flip your, flip your page over, put your eyes on it. Because it really lies underneath what Paul's arguing in, in 2 Corinthians. So if you look at Romans there at the bottom, 
Look at what he says in verses 3 and 4. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, he condemns sin in the flesh, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. See, here's the glory of what God does in the gospel. God does himself what the law can't do. Right? The law can only condemn sinners. So God does what, what the law can't. How does he do it? He does it through his son. He sends his son. His son in the likeness of sinful flesh. Right, He takes on our entire humanity uh, so that he can live the righteous life that we fail to live and then be condemned uh, by the law that we've broken. Right? There's the cross. Uh, he, he dies in our place, taking that, that condemnation, that penalty of the law, in his own flesh, uh, so that we can go free. So that the, the sentence for us is not, uh, is not uh, guilty, is not condemnation, death. Instead, it's life. It's righteousness, Christ's righteousness. Uh, and it's all because of what God does, because God shows up in the courtroom. Uh, his, the Son shows up in the courtroom uh, and dies for us. God does what the law can't. And we get the light uh, instead of the death that we that we deserve. That's why Paul calls uh, here in our Corinthians passage. He calls his his ministry of preaching Christ. He calls it the ministry of righteousness, uh, as opposed to uh, the law and what Moses had just in those commandments, which only brought condemnation. Now he's preaching Christ. And saying, it's righteousness. Yeah, it's Christ's righteousness. It's Christ's life uh, because of what he gave. Uh, he gave to us what the Spirit uh, takes and puts into our lives, what Christ won for us, what Christ's righteousness for us. We don't earn it. Uh, we don't deserve it, but we get it through Christ. And here's what's so great and so glorious about the new covenant in Christ. It's glorious in how it operates. Uh, that it doesn't condemn, it gives righteousness. That it doesn't kill, it gives life. That's what makes it glorious. And that needs to get into us. Right? It, it can't just stay as, oh, that's nice out there. It has to, it has to be ours. It has to be ours. In a sense, again, the supper kind of makes it, makes it real, makes it tangible. Uh, right? the, the, the commandments come to us. Right? God says, you got to love the Lord with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. Those commandments come and Oh, wow, like a mirror, we realize, I haven't done that. I haven't kept that. That holy, righteous, good thing, I've broken that. Uh, and if that's all there is, that's going to condemn me. So I need something else. And then we come to the table, and we get, oh, look, there's something else that God gives, and, it, and it's free. Uh, and, and he gives, and it's, it's Jesus. It's Jesus doing what the law can't. Uh, it's God himself doing what the law can't do. And look, it's Jesus, and again, it's in pictures, but you get the idea. It's Jesus in human flesh, right? Body, blood represented here. Yeah, because it's Jesus showing up to live that perfect life. And look, it's the crucified body and, and shed blood, right? Because he's bearing our, our guilt. He's taking our, our, our punishment. Uh, but like the gospel itself, the call is to, to receive it, 
to rest on it. So as it's offered to, to take it to take it in. That's of course why the why the supper is, is for those who are trusting Christ. Uh, and, and it actually then becomes an opportunity for you as believers to, to, yeah, this is my hope again. What Jesus did, I need it. If Jesus does what the law can't, I need it, and look, it's offered freely. And if I have it, it's in me, then the message is no condemnation. Right? Believers, you, as you take this up for this morning, realize that is what God is saying to you. He's saying in pictures, no condemnation. None. Not now, not ever. Because God did what the law can. Because God did what you can. And so as you, as you, as you receive the supper, hear that, take that in. And if you don't know Christ, uh, then, then you get a picture of, of what you need here in the supper. You need someone else to show up on your behalf and, and before God in his courtroom. You need that, that one to bear the guilt for you. Uh, and, and apart from receiving and resting on Christ, you don't have it. But look, it's offered freely in the gospel. And even, even this, even if you, you're not trusting and therefore not taking the Lord's Supper, you can see the picture. I need the free gift. And you're challenged to, to call on the name of the Lord and be saved in him. The glory of what God has done for us. And where it's located, God gets right in and changes our hearts. Where it's how it operates, God gives life. And that is very good. Well, let's pray together. Father, we do pray that you would encourage and strengthen your people this very day with this very good news. Lord, that we would rest in what you have done. And, and uh, we pray that you'd use the supper and your word to accomplish it. Through the power of the Spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.